0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed lunch. Uh, Alex Sherman and I are going to present together. Um, We originally had intended to do a live demonstration of cardiopulmonary exercise testing, but we had issues with getting equipment here in order to be able to do that. So as an improvisation, we've had pre-recorded video of um, cardiopulmonary exercise test, which we've tried to sort of weave in to the presentation. So if you bear with us, we'll have sections of presentation and discussion and set little sections of video and um, We're going through this first to show how we conduct the tests, what data uh, we focus on, and how we interpret that data. And then we're going to round it up. Adam is going to uh, give a case presentation of a pH patient that will illustrate some of the concepts that we have presented.
1: So I'll let Alex um, begin. Yeah. Mm. So... You know, when, when we're evaluating patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension or even just with, you know, dyspnea of unexplained origin and you're going through your diagnostic purposes, you know, as, as I think a lot of the other talks have alluded to, that, you know, getting sort of a dynamic assessment of exercise capacity can be really helpful. And one of the more well-validated methods of doing this, aside from the sort of the submaximal exercise test of the six-minute walk test, which has incredible utility, um, you know, another method uh, which has, you know, arguably a little bit more uh, diagnostic resolution is the cardiopulmonary exercise test, or the CPET. And there's a few different ways to go about this. You can do what we call like a level one CPET, which is a non-invasive method, uh, which will go into a little bit more details, which allows you to quantify aerobic performance as well as functional capacity, and also can lead you towards identifying some of the pathophysiologic reasons for that exercise limitation. Now, as we've talked about, PAH does cause a multitude of downstream effects, which can cause issues with cardiac function and gas exchange primarily. And um, exercise testing uh, is a nice way of sort of bringing together all of those different individual organ um, problems and having the body integrate them to produce work and actually give a you know a more real life day to day assessment of exercise capacity and then you know, beyond that, beyond sort of your non-invasive CPET, when you add in either an arterial line or an arterial line along with a pulmonary artery catheter, you get your level two uh, and level three CPETs, which um, can really aid in diagnosis and assessment, uh, not only of uh, pulmonary hypertension but other causes of exertional dyspnea that may be, you know, confused for PAH.
0: So uh, I'll add that the the patient referred for cardiopulmonary exercise testing may already have a known diagnosis or several diagnoses. And the real question posed is, you know, what is the level of impairment? Because that has predictive value. Um, And what are the specific pathophysiological limitations um, to the performance of exercise? Because sometimes, you know, those can guide a therapeutic approach. Um, So after this brief introduction, we'll take a look at the Exercise Physiology Laboratory. Let's begin by looking at the Exercise Physiology Laboratory. Here we have a typical laboratory setup with a choice of treadmill and cycle ergometers, a metabolic measuring system, and various screens to display the data. Actually, in the UCLA Exercise Physiology Research Laboratory, we have an interactive screen where we can annotate the data in real time as the experiment continues. And in this setup um, in the lab here at UCLA, <clears throat> we have had the option of treadmill and cycle ergometer testing with the metabolic cart position between them. Um, and, of course, there, there are certain differences between the two. I'm not sure we have time to discuss those. But in general, treadmill exercise elicits a somewhat higher maximum oxygen uptake. It's much more um, dependent upon patient body weight and gait um, and uh, coordination uh, than the cycle ergometry. So we prefer the cycle, really, for diagnostic exercise tests because uh, we have a more predictable relationship between uh, the the pedaling and the work rate.
1: So in preparation for a cardiopulmonary exercise test, there's several steps that are, you know, really, you know, critical to go over with the patient and make sure that you're doing a reproducible study. Um, So, you know, of course, like any other procedure, it starts off with subject consent where you're explained, as well as really pre-test preparation, ensuring the patient hasn't had any, um, you know, Uh, tobacco use or caffeine to influence some of their physiologic parameters. So that comes about from explaining the test ahead of time. Of course, you're going to be monitoring for safety with um, ECG monitoring and vital signs monitoring to make sure that they don't have any acute issues. But in general, cardiopulmonary exercise testing is incredibly safe. Um, You know, the rate of serious adverse events is quite low, less than one in 10,000.
0: Um, Important points about the electrocardiogram are um, to carefully prepare the skin, light abrasion and degreasing with alcohol so as to get good electrode contact. But after that, it's important to snug down the leads and make sure that they're not swinging, they're attached to the belt, um, so there's no artifact on the ECG recording during the test. If there is, it can sometimes be quickly Shot, you can pin the artifact down to one or two leads, secure the leads, um, or even quickly replace an electrode um, if that's the issue. Yeah.
1: Making sure that you have an adequate patient-machine interface is is really important. You need to make sure that you're using the properly sized uh, either mouthpiece or face mask, that you have a completely sealed system. For patients who have facial hair, if they're willing to remove that uh, ahead of time, that certainly facilitates a better seal. If you're having some small issues, you can always use some water-soluble lubrication to try to seal small holes. But, you know, having leaks in your system can really uh, be detrimental to the quality of the data that you're getting.
0: Uh, The factor of mechanical efficiency is uh, minimized on a cycle ergometer. I won't say it doesn't exist at all, uh, but much less so than the treadmill. However, it is important, you know, to have the saddle height right, set right for a particular patient. And you can either bring that level to the greater trochanter of the patient standing next to the bike or have them sit on the bike um, with the, um, the foot in the, the, the pedal um, and make sure that there is a leg extension with an angle of about 15 degrees at the knee. That is optimal uh, for mechanical efficiency. <clears throat> and this is important because if you retest a patient, um, for example, to see the... Um, possible benefits of a therapeutic intervention, you want to make sure that the mechanical efficiency is the same uh, the next time you do the test on that patient. Now, I think before we start any exercise test, we really want to um, just take a quick view of the parameters of the test that we would expect if the test was going to be normal. And, of course, we use reference equations to derive uh, normal values. Um, The most important, of course, and the central measurement that we make in an exercise test is maximum oxygen uptake, and that can be reliably predicted using just the age and sex of the patient. Um, We can use ideal body weight to convert a predicted VO2 max in mils per kilogram per minute into liters per minute, and that would be truly an ideal and normal patient. Um, The other reference values we have... Reference equations for um, predicted maximum heart rate, you often see 220 minus age, but the Tanaka equation, which is um, 108 minus 0.7 times the age, is actually a little better. It fits uh, real live data from Scandinavia. Um, Ventilatory capacity is typically measured by doing a maximum voluntary ventilation maneuver. If you don't have that, you can calculate ventilatory capacity from an FEV1, and if you haven't measured the FEV1, you could always use a reference FEV1 and um, to calculate uh, a reference ventilatory capacity. And VO2max, maximum heart rate, maximum ventilation, they kind of set the scene because during the c- conduct of the test, we want to see whether aerobic capacity is normal, whether maximum heart rate is approached or achieved, and whether a maximum capable ventilation is approached uh, or achieved. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.